Well, good evening, folks. I uh, trust you did have a good afternoon. I know I did. And, uh, you know, one thing I like about being a Christian is that uh, you can take naps Sunday afternoon and feel good about it. Amen? And uh, so I've always done that since I've been saved. <laughs> so I've been doing it for a long time. I was telling Pastor, I taught my children to do that. And uh, when we were growing up, when we came home from church, you know, we it was hard, but we got them to lay down and uh, so that we could lay down. And uh, and now they're old and they have their children. And guess what they do Sunday afternoon? They take a nap. Praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. I'm looking forward to uh, afterwards to the uh, to the to the the fellowship and food. I was careful to put it in that order. Amen. And uh, but, you know, food is a Baptist distinctive. In Acts chapter two, they broke bread. Amen. And when Paul preached all night there and that guy fell out of the window, you know, and uh, and uh, Paul laid on him, he came, life came back to him, they went back and they had some food. So it's a, it's, a, it's a Baptist distinctive to eat together. Amen. There's just something about that. But I do en- uh, enjoy my time here with you. Uh, it's been good to get to know some of you. And uh, and uh, that's what I like to do. I, I like to, I, you know, I'm a little bit different than some missionaries. I I just like to come into church for the day and park for the day. And I know that's probably not doing a whole lot for me to raise my support, but I just like to get to know people. Maybe that's a pastor part of me, you know. Uh, A lot of missionaries have got Sunday morning booked and Sunday night, and you know, say goodbye and they get leave. And I like to hang around a little bit and get to know you folks. And so I've enjoyed that. And great afternoon. Thank you so much, uh, the Blairs, for putting up with me and and giving me a nice uh, couch to put back and go to sleep with a nice fireplace and fire and and a good cup of coffee to wake me up. Praise the Lord. It's been a good day. Let me encourage you, if you haven't got my prayer card, they're out there. I really wish you would get one and pray for me. Pray for Debbie. I wish she could be here with me. You'd enjoy her so much. She's the one that writes my sermons and uh, usually she's my critique, you know, but she's not here to do that. And uh, I really appreciate her so much. And I am so glad uh, that God brought us together. I'm so glad that day when I was on that softball field, uh, she got my attention. Amen. And uh, not purposely. She wasn't trying to do that at all. But God worked in my heart. And I thank God for her good stand, by the way, that she took with me. And uh, the day I got saved. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Again, help ministries working with national pastors uh, in third world nations. Bring them into this country for three months at a time. And uh, we don't. Uh, we bring them in and they have to go home. I've had questions asked and some good ones. One was, well, if they get over to America, do you think they want to go home? Don't matter. They're going. Okay? But I got good news for you. They do want to go home. They miss their churches. They miss their families. And they want to get back in into the work. They're doing the work. And our little support that we give them, uh, the churches give them, uh, they're able to do so much more. Because you have to understand, these pastors, they're not only pastoring. But they're having to make a living, too, and uh, to, to provide for their family. And so they're doing all of this. And just that little bit that we send them goes such a long ways uh, in, in meeting some needs in their lives, but also uh, meeting needs in the men's lives that they're training. And quite often the men will take some of that money and use it to send their men out to start churches who will start churches who will start churches. And so praise the Lord for that. And uh, if you have any questions about it, uh, please ask me. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe during our fellowship in between bites of pie and ice cream, uh, you might have something you could ask me, and I'd be glad to try to answer it. And uh, if I can't, I'll let you know. I don't beat around the bush. I'll just say that's a good question. I'll have to work on that one. Amen. 
Well, you know, uh, this morning in our Sunday school hour, we spent some time in the book of Joshua. I love Joshua because it's a, as I said this morning, it's a book of victory. Uh, one victory after another as Israel uh, went into the land that God promised them. And by his grace and by his leading, they conquered it. And, uh, oh, they had some setbacks. That's true. Uh, I think, for example, after the walls of Jericho came down, what a great miracle that was. Amen. And then they went and measured the city of Ai. And it wasn't a very big city. And so they said, oh, just give us maybe about 3,000 men and we can handle it. Only to find out that they were put on the run. And the reason they were put on the run is because there was sin in the camp. There's a great lesson there. Brethren, we all need to be walking with God. My personal sin can affect my church. You ever think about that? Something in my life that maybe God and I know and I'm refusing to deal with, uh, it can affect my church and, and what God can do through my church. And uh, so I thank God for 1 John 1, 9. And uh, we need to make sure that we're in fellowship with God. We're not perfect people here tonight. Uh, we're sinners saved by grace. And uh, thank God for being able to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He came in when we got saved. He'll never leave us. And thank God for his teaching ministry and his empowering ministry and all that he does for us. But, brethren, if we've got sin in our life, thank God we can have God remove it by the blood of Christ. And we can be back in fellowship with the Lord. And then, of course, there's that time when uh, the Gibeonites, we studied them in our Sunday school. Those wily Gibeonites just over the hill that came into uh, Israel, uh, into the camp at Gilgal. And, boy, they looked like they came from a great distance, one of the bordering nations around Canaan. And they deceived the, the Israelites into making peace with them, only to find out that they were just over the hill. And they're the next ones to encounter and to destroy as they conquered the promised land. And so there's a couple setbacks there. But do not all of us have some rough times in our lives when we had disobeyed the Lord? We knew to do good and did it not, and we suffered the consequences. But you know what? For the believer, that's the exception, and that's not the rule. Amen? Uh, I'll be frank with you. I enjoyed raising my kids. Yeah, they gave me some gray hairs, but uh, I enjoyed them. And, uh, you know, sometimes they were disobedient. But to be quite frank with you, that was the exception and not the rule. And uh, for the Christian, it ought to be uh, the exception. And God, whose mercy endureth forever, desires his people to live victorious Christian lives. He desires that for us, to live for the glory of God. And to enjoy the blessings of God and the peace of God and the joy of God. That's what God's, uh, that's, that's, that's our salvation tonight. That's what we ought to be experiencing by the grace of God and the word of God. And so tonight we're going to go back to Joshua. And uh, I would like us to, uh, to look at Joshua chapter 3. Would you uh, turn there with me please? Joshua chapter 3. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to uh, look at their crossing the Jordan tonight. And when you find Joshua chapter 3, probably it would help us to get to that pie quicker. If you would uh, take your Bibles, put a marker there. We're going to come back to that. Uh, uh, go over to, um, I would say, Romans chapter 1 and put a marker in Romans chapter 1. I do this all the time. Okay? <laughs> and uh, uh, Romans chapter 1. And then, you know, when you find Romans chapter 1, and you got a marker in there, uh, go over to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, and put a marker there as well. So Romans chapter 1, put a marker. Hebrews chapter 11, put a marker. And if you've run out of markers, if there's a lady sitting next to you, I guarantee she's got extra ones in her Bible because she collects everything in that Bible. Amen? All right. And then the last one is First John chapter 
5. 1 John chapter 5. So three places for markers tonight. 1 John chapter 5, Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Romans chapter 1. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 3. I believe in this chapter right here, we are given a key by which to live the victorious Christian life. Notice I said a key, not the key. To be quite frank with you, I think there's a lot of keys in the walk with the Lord. I gave one this morning and, and how to make decisions pleasing to God and good for you. That was a key to the Christian life. I think there's another one here found in our text. It was a key by which Israel conquered the promised land. This was the key. That's how they did it. This is how you read about one victory after another all through the book. But also it's the key, a key, to the victorious Christian living. We have in our text that Israel has now come back to the Jordan. And it's time to cross the Jordan. They've been there for about three days. They're getting ready to do it. And I'd like to begin reading in verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Aren't you glad you've got a God that delights to do wonders among you? He's a God. He's a wonder-working God. The very fact that you got up this morning is a wonder of God. The very fact that you came tonight and are able to sit in that pew, that's a wonder of God. And Joshua spake unto um, the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Could I say here again that how important it is for you to pray for your pastor? Pray for his walk with God. He's flesh and blood just like you are. He faces problems just like you do. He's a sinner saved by grace just like you are. You need to pray for the man of God. Pray for his walk with God. Pray for his wisdom in leading the church because he's been called to lead this church. Amen? He's the leader. Amen? This is a, this is a church where the pastor leads. And uh, so you need to pray much for him. Pray for his health. Pray for his family. Pray for his children. Make sure you include them. Amen. Pray for the wife. And so God said, I'm going to magnify you like I did with Moses. Verse 8. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. By the way, <laughs> he's among you too. Amen. There's no difference between back there and today. He's amongst us. Uh, in fact, we've got an extra special blessing. He's within us by the Holy Spirit of God. That's one of the blessings of the age of grace. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. All right. Let me find a place here again. And uh, come hither, hear the words of the Lord. And okay. And he, he's among you and that he will, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap, 
And it shall come to pass when the people are removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very, a heap very far from the city Adam, that is be, beside Zeratin. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground and, and to, until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now, chapter 4, verse 15, quickly. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And all the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Father, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for being able to sing unto you and praise your holy name. And Lord, now as we get into the word of God, I, we need to hear from you, Father. We're a needy people, but we've got a God who knows our needs. And Father, you know what we have need of tonight. I pray that we'd let you speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Convict us. Move us. Uh, Lord, lead us to make decisions for the glory of God that will not be just for tonight, but for the days to come by your grace. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, whenever I think of Israel crossing the Jordan River into the promised land, I think of the great miracle of God dividing the Jordan. According to our text, the banks were overflowing. I don't know if you've ever been to a river where the banks are overflowing, but it's kind of an intimidating sight. The water's moving very quickly, uh, rapidly, and it just looks a little threatening. I've gone through two floods. Our church in New York was right next to a, a river, probably about maybe less than a mile away from the river. And boy, we get those heavy melts and, and the snow would melt and the rain would come and that water would come up and there'd be that roaring water just, just taking everything with it and would flood the land. It, when it went over the banks, it was intimidating and threatening. And here we have that situation. We're also told in our text that when they crossed, they crossed on dry ground. See, I think these things are important. They crossed on dry ground. Now, I don't know about you, but my thinking would be it'd be muddy ground. <laughs> Amen? If it was covered by water, hasn't been that long, it should be muddy ground. But yet they crossed on dry ground. And I think at times we need to be reminded of God's great power. I think at times we need to be reminded that the God of the Old Testament is the same God today. I think at times we need to be reminded that the God of the New Testament, the Gospels, is the God of today. And we as His children, He's our God. He's our God. I know there's dispensations. I know there's the Old Testament dispensation. I know there's the age of the law and all of that. And, and uh, that dispensation is a bit different than ours. But by the way, all of us have approached Christ the same way. It's by faith. Amen. We're all saved the same way. But I just think we need to remember, in this world that is, that is so distracting that uh, brings uh, so many trials upon us, I think we need to remember the words of Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 32, verse 17, where he said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Did he get that? 
We serve a God in whom nothing is too hard for him. You don't have to be around me very long to realize uh, quickly that many things are too hard for me. But not for my God. Amen? I think we need to remember the words the Lord spoke to Jeremiah by God himself. In that very same chapter, down a few verses, in verse 27, he said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And then he said this, Is anything too hard for me? You know, I think sometimes we need to be reminded that nothing is too hard for the Lord. I think we need to remember the words of the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary when she was told that she would be with child. And she said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And he told her of the Holy Spirit coming upon her womb and, and she conceiving by the Holy Spirit and bring forth a Christ child. And here's what she said, or here's what he said rather, or Gabriel. He said, for with God, nothing should be impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. How many of you believe that tonight? Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. I think we need to remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he spoke concerning rich people entering into the kingdom of God and how hard it was. But then he said this, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Hey, listen, folks, we need to remember that. That's our God. That's our God, whom we know and we love and we serve through Jesus Christ. And when he is in what we are doing, nothing is too hard for him. Nothing whatsoever. All things are possible. Oh, listen, what a great God we serve tonight. We read about Him all through the Bible, amen? We read about those mighty works of God in the Old Testament, the dispensation of, of law. We get up in the New Testament, the Gospels, and we read about the mighty things that He does. And here is the problem that we encounter. We leave it there. And we, don't, we kind of forget that God can do anything. Uh-huh. We kind of forget that. We really do. We just think, well, those are great Old Testament stories, and that was the God of yesterday, and, and that was for that dispensation, and, and those gospels where Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. Listen, that was for the, that was, wait, 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 wait. There's a purpose for God showing you all that. It's to show you that nothing's too hard for Him. And as we walk with God, we need to remember there's times in our life when we face the enemy, or we have a, a work to do for God. We've got to remember, it's not me, but Him. And nothing is too hard for Him. All things are possible with Him. Nothing's impossible with Him. But may I draw your attention tonight to what allowed God to separate that Jordan and bring the people across on dry ground. What allowed God to do that great miracle, and I might add other miracles throughout the book. If you go back to Joshua chapter 3 and look at verse 14, I'll show you what allowed God to do that. Verse 14 and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That's what allowed God to do that miracle. They had to obey God's orders by faith. Walk to a, a river uh, whose banks are overflowing, and they had to literally put their foot in the water before God would do what He said He would do. And the key to seeing a God in whom all things are possible, working in your individual life, as well as the life of this church, is faith in that God. Faith in that God. Oh, listen, it was a faith of Israel that allowed God to do 
that miracle. It was the faith of the priest who stepped into the river with the overflowing banks. But you need to realize there's a new generation here. Forty years ago, Israel was at that very same spot. Except back then it was the dads and granddads and along with the children. And the dads and granddads sent those 12 spies into the land of, of uh, Canaan to spy it out to see if it's everything God said it was. And by the way, God's true to his word. And they came back with a good report. It's everything that God said it is and even more. But oh my, 10 of them said those men in there are like giants and we're like grasshoppers. And they will destroy our family. They'll destroy our children. There's no way we can possibly conquer that land. No, but God could. But remember what God said? Okay, if this is the way you feel, go back into the, in the, in the wilderness and uh, wander for 40 years. And I'll bring your children. And they're the ones that will go into the promised land. The very children that they were, 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 were fearful that the, that the enemy would destroy are the ones that God used to go into the promised land. But how did they do it? They did it by faith. They did it by faith. Oh, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about faith in general tonight. I'm talking about faith in particular. I'm talking about Bible faith. I'm talking about faith in God and His Word. I remember the day I got saved shortly after that. I talked to my grandmother. She's a Christian science, well, she was, she's, uh, she's dead now, but she was a Christian science practitioner. You say, what are they? Well, they're somewhat like a minister. Uh, they're the ones that uh, are real steep in knowledge in, in Mary Baker Eddy's book. And they're the ones you would call if you're not feeling good. And they would convince you that you're feeling good. <laughs> they're the ones that call to say, hey, I broke my arm. And they would convince you that your arm's not broken. <laughs> That's what they were. And so I, I shared my testimony of getting saved. And here's what she said. Oh, John, I'm so happy for you. It matters not what your faith is as long as you believe in God. That's all that counts. Can I tell you tonight, there's a faith in God that's a devil's lie that leads to the road of destruction, and many there be that are on it. And there's a Bible faith whose author is God that leads to heaven, and few there be that find it. It's faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's faith in the, in the crucified, buried, resurrected Savior for our sins. It's faith in Jesus Christ that God, is, the Father, was satisfied with the price He paid for our sins. It's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. That's the Bible faith I'm talking about tonight. And that, I trust, is everyone's testimony here. And if not, I strongly encourage you to come to the Lord by faith. That's the only way you can come to Him. Can't come through baptism, amen? Can't come to Him through the Lord's Supper. Can't come to Him through joining a church. Can't come to Him through your good works. Can't come to Him through reformation. You've got to come to Him through Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. Trust Him for God's salvation that He paid the price in full. And this Bible faith that was born in your heart the day you got saved, it's still there. It's still there. It's still alive. It's still there. And it's there with purpose. Do you know what the purpose of that Bible faith is? To see God do great and mighty things in your life. That's why it's still there. To see this mighty God in whom all things are possible. Nothing's too hard for Him. To see that God do great and mighty things in your life. Now listen to me. What may be a mighty and great thing in your life may not be impressive to me. But I'm going to tell you something. It's impressive to you because it's real and it's God making himself real in your life. So that Bible faith is there. It's not just a past experience of salvation in the life of a sinner that we give testimony of. Rather, Bible faith is to be a now, everyday activity 
that makes the God whom we cannot see nor touch just as real and personal as the person sitting next to you. God is real tonight. Who say amen to that? God is personal tonight. Who say amen to that? Well, there's only one way you're really going to experience that personal, real God that you bring up, that you say amen to. It's by faith. Faith in God's word. Faith in what God said he will do. Oh, listen, it's the prerequisite by which to see God do great things. It's the prerequisite. There needs to be that faith by which we see God answer prayer. In fact, it is the prerequisite by we by which we see God do the impossible. Take your Bibles tonight and uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 17. Let me give you a little background to the text. I don't know how this man knew of the Lord Jesus. It may have been that he had heard him or maybe that he saw him. But he had a demon-possessed son. His heart was broken for his son. That demon would cast him into the fire. He would foam at the mouth. So he took his son and he was determined to find Jesus to have that demon cast out. The only problem is when he came to where Jesus was supposed to be, he wasn't there. Rather, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. But wait a minute. He had second best. His disciples were there, the others. So he brought them to miss the disciples and they tried everything they could to cast that devil out of that boy. I imagine that they repeated the very same words that they heard Jesus say. I suspected that they touched him like Jesus would touch people. And they tried everything they watched and saw and knew, but that demon would not come out of that boy. Well, the Lord Jesus came down the hill. They saw him coming. They came running unto him. And if you make a long story short, Jesus cast that devil out. If you go to Matthew 17, look at verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? I think it's a legitimate question. But look at his answer. Because He said to them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I don't know about you, but I'm still scratching my head over those words. I still have not reached into the depth of those words. But here's what it says. Here's what he said. If you have faith in the grain of a mustard seed, and say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I know this. Faith and God in whom all things are possible work together. And if we're going to see God do the impossible, what man would say to be in the possible, then we've got to have faith in that God of the impossible. And nothing will be impossible. Listen, I believe there's so much that God wants to do in our lives if we'll just walk with Him by faith every day. If we just base our walk with Him by faith and He and the Word of God and what God says He'll do for you or through you, we could see God do the impossible. We could see God do the impossible. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. This is a chapter that talks about that withered fig tree. Remember that story? The Lord Jesus was leaving, uh, going to Jerusalem and he went to the fig tree for some fruit. Nothing was on it. And he cursed it and it withered up. Remember that? The next day, Peter, they're going back to Jerusalem and verse 17. Then came to Jesus, uh, the disciples of Jesus apart and said, I'm sorry, got the wrong place. Verse 21, Mark 11, 21. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which was which thou cursedest is withered away. And Jesus answering unto them, Have faith in God. I want to ask you something tonight. How's your faith in God tonight? 
I'm not talking about your salvation experience. I'm talking about your faith today and what you're trusting God to do today for you and through you. How's your faith in God? Here's what Jesus says. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And then he went on and he said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. See that? Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. You know why? Because nothing is too hard for our God. That's why. Here's the problem. Maybe it isn't your problem. Praise God, you can pray for those that it is. <laughs> but we somehow, we, we, we leave these verses in the Bible. That's where they belong. They don't belong for today. We've allowed the charismatic crowd, who don't base their works on the Word of God, to rob us of what God would do in our life. If only we would get in that Word and look for faith promises from God and trust that He will do them in His time, whether it be for us or through us, that's what we need in our churches today. We need men and women of God in our independent Baptist churches that will be a faith-walking people. Go over to Mark chapter 10, verse 51. Blind Bartimaeus. Oh, blind Bartimaeus. Remember him? He heard uh, that Jesus was walking by. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples said, shh, 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 don't, don't be so loud. You know, some churches, if you raise your hands and say amen, everyone will have a heart attack. Don't be so loud. Now, down south, they do a lot of hand raising. I haven't gotten that far yet, but uh, I'm working on it. I've come close at times. I usually have a handkerchief in my pocket. I realize I don't have one tonight. And I use that because I, I, I really perspire when I preach, although I'm not doing bad tonight. But uh, I'll tell you, there's been times I've, been, I've come close to just going, amen. <laughs> amen. My mind says, don't you do that. My heart says, do it. My mind says, don't you do it. So far, the mind has won out. But I have a feeling one day's coming when the old mind's going to be put in its place. My old heart's going to scream out, Amen! Amen. Praise the Lord. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. But he just kept on calling to him. And finally, Jesus said, bring him over. And look at verse 51. And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now, do you think the Lord already knew what he should do unto him? Isn't that exciting? Think about that. You know, there's a lot of times Jesus asks questions. He already knew the answer, right? So, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Now, watch this. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith had made thee whole. If he did not have faith in Jesus that he could do it, it never would have happened. Never would have happened. Thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Go over to Matthew 9 real quick. Matthew 9 verse 27. Two blind men are following Jesus and calling upon him to have mercy upon them. And if you drop down to verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28, And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. 
Then touch ye their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Can I ask you something tonight? What is your faith in God and his word seeing God do in your life? What is your faith in God and his word seeing God do in your life? And many more accounts are found throughout the Gospels describing the mighty works of God because of man's faith in God. And brethren, where there is not faith, now listen to me, you can check it out. When there is not faith, you won't see God doing mighty great things. You won't. When we choose to walk by sight, and brethren, when we even choose to do the work of God by sight instead of faith, you won't see much come of it. Because we need God. In whom all things are possible. I ask you again. What is God doing in your life today? Because of your faith in Him and His Word. Today. Right now. Today. If we had a testimony time tonight. Of what God has done in our life. Through faith in Him and His Word. What would your answer be? I suspect we'd be doing a lot of stuttering tonight. But, uh, um, well, let's see now. Uh, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just pointing out the fact that we're lacking seeing God do things in our life because we don't walk with Him by faith. Oh, when a crisis comes in our life, oh, then we get very spiritual. And we pray, oh, Lord God. But you need to understand something. This walk of faith is for every day. It's for the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed. And you see, here's the exciting thing about that. This is a faith book. This book became precious to you by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a faith book. It got you started in your walk with God. And it will continue your walk with God as long as you approach this book as a faith book and understand that God desires to do great and mighty things. But brethren, it's going to depend upon you to get into the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart to show you what He'll do for you or through you. And even for the church. Or it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, Christian science, this is amazing. They use the King James Bible. They still do. I understand that. They don't believe it's the inspired word of God. They just think it's a good book. And you know, that was my attitude towards the Bible. It really was. I, I thought it was a good book. Uh, you know, Jesus was a good man. He wasn't God. He wasn't the son of God. With the, you know. This triune God business, we didn't believe in that. But I want to tell you something what happened to me. When I got saved, my attitude towards this book changed. I went from believing it was a good book to believing that it was the inspired, preserved Word of God for my walk with God. That's what faith will do for you. You'll see God do the impossible in your life. A believer's faith in the mighty works of God, they just go hand in hand tonight. Get that through our mind tonight. Let that grasp us tonight. They work together to see God do great and mighty things. And brethren, we'll not see God do great and mighty things if we don't trust God to do so from the Word of God. See, God talks to us, amen, Amen. through the Word of God. He impresses my heart, amen, and I think that's the Holy Spirit working on me. But it comes from the Word of God, amen. 
That's why there's got to be that constant, abundant feeding on the Word of God so that we can know what God desires to do for us or through us. Amen. But we've got to be in the Word of God. And if we're not in the Word of God, allowing God to impress our heart of what He will do for us or through us by faith, uh, by faith in Him, then we're not going to see... We're going to walk by sight. You know, we're going to be here Sunday after Sunday by sight, not by faith. And we're not, and we're not going to see God do many things in our life. Oh, brother so-and-so over there, my goodness, he seems to be really enjoying his Christianity. And my, he's talking about what God's done here and God's done that. Man, every time he stands, he's like, got testimony. Oh, he's praising God for something that God's done in his life. I'll tell you why he's doing that. He's walking with God by faith. He's looking to God's promise book and letting God speak to his heart as he reads the word of God or as he hears a preacher preach and the Holy Spirit takes that and, and, and gives a faith promise in that person's heart and he believes God will do it. And he keeps believing until he does it. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I want to read just a section here on the Lord's visit to his hometown. Drop down to verse 57, if you would. Matthew 13, verse 57. The Bible says, And they were offended in him. That's his hometown. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58. Are you ready to read it with me? And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now we, we say, well, they were lost people. That's why. You need to understand, brethren, that can apply to us too. We're not going to see many mighty works of God because of our unbelief. And I wonder tonight how many mighty works of God are being done in our churches or not being done because of a walk of sight and not a walk of faith. And I ask you, Christian, are you walking by faith in God tonight. I'm not talking about your testimony of yesterday when you got saved by faith. I'm talking about your faith in God today for what God would do today. What is your faith trusting God to do now, today, in this world that you live in for His glory? And I might add, for your good. What are you seeing God do? Uh, go quickly to First John chapter 5. You have a marker there. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. And... And look at verse 4 with me. Um, the, the Bible says, uh, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, that's a, that's a present tense statement. It doesn't say has overcome the world. It doesn't even say shall overcome the world. It says uh, ha- overcometh the world like today. Born of God speaks of God's people. Amen. You must be born again. Overcometh means to prevail, to have victory. And how does a believer overcome the world? Well, read the rest of the verse. And this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Today, not yesterday. I hate to say it, but a lot of Christians are living yesterday in the past. And they've got to start living for today. And get in this word and let God show them faith promises. Begins our walk with God, but it also continues our walk with God. Go over to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. We all know verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And 
And we probably have used that verse and maybe we quote that verse and what have you. But we never seem to get verse 17. For, in other words, the thought continues. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Every day and throughout the day, God desires His people who are the just, justified in Jesus Christ. And we are the justified, declared righteous. We are to be living by faith every day and throughout the day. And could I be frank with you tonight? I fear that there's a lack of Bible faith exercised among our churches today. I fear our churches are full of carnal Christians who walk by sight and not by faith every day. Who live for the things of this world and not the things of God. Who are so wrapped up in the things of this world, the affairs of this world, looking around instead of looking up. And yet we serve the one and only powerful God of the universe. What a great study tonight in DNA. God did that. Amen. Amen. We serve a one and only powerful God in whom nothing is impossible. Nothing's too hard for him. And he delights to prove himself to us. He delights to prove himself to us. We don't have a God that plays hide and seek on us. Try to find me if you can. But remember to count to 20. He don't play that way. He says, prove me. How about Jeremiah 33.3? I'll quote it for you. The reason I'll quote it for you, God's used that verse so much in my life. Call unto me. Remember, Jeremiah was in prison. People didn't like him. The weeping prophet. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Can I just say to you tonight, there are some great and mighty things that God wants to do. But you've got to get in the book. You've got the Holy Spirit teach you the word and impress your heart with a faith that God's going to do such and such. But it'll come from the book. Amen. I don't have any, uh, any time for people who have some faith statements outside of the word of God. I think they just ate too much pizza. That's their problem. It comes from the word. Hey, Malachi 3. Can we turn there real quick? Malachi. Malachi 3. I love this passage. Preacher, you're, you're preaching on faith, not the tithe. I know that. But the nice thing about preacher, he can go wherever he wants. No. Okay, look at Malachi 3. You're, you're familiar with the passage. Verse 8, talking to the nation of Israel. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Your curse of the curse. For he have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, I'm not going to preach on the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. It's holy. I'm not going to preach on it. It's 10% of your increase. It belongs to the storehouse. This is your storehouse. Your church. You need to bring your tithe back to the Lord. It's a commanded giving. But look at the rest of the verse here. Bring out all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. Prove me, says God. Prove me. How do I prove the Lord? By a walk of faith. By getting in this book, by trusting God to show us things that He will do for us or through us in His time and say Amen and keep hanging on to it until He does it. Now listen, I've been a pastor 37 years. They've been great years. But i got a confession to make tonight. 
There's things that God has shown me that he would do for me or through me. Sometimes it was through me that I believed him for. But along the way, I quit believing. Are you following me? I just didn't think he would do it. And guess what? He didn't do it. Well, that's, that's you know, uh, that's a regret of my walk with God. I, maybe tonight, if, when, when God shows you something, hang on to it. Just hang on to it. He said, well, preacher, how do I hang on to it? Number one, you obey God. Obedience and faith go together. If we don't want to obey God, we don't even walk by... That's the last thing we want to do is walk by faith with God. And number two, pray. I call it prevailing prayer. Jesus said, in all things believing you shall have. Let's see, I've got it quoted right here. But Believe on the Lord and pray. Believing and asking. Prayer is so important. Prayer and faith go together. Now, don't quit praying and asking. God's timing is perfect. He's never late. Trust God. Maybe tonight there's some folks here. I don't know. Way back or maybe just recently. God's given you a promise from His Word about something in your life. And you, you were excited about it and you trusted God for it, but now you're not. You quit trusting Him. Could I challenge you to get back to trusting Him? Well, preacher, you don't understand. Uh, you know, it's hard to do that. I understand that. But you know, the very faith that you're trusting God with is the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. Let me close with this. You remember the story I introduced you to concerning the, the man with a demon-possessed son. Over in the Gospel of Mark, it has the same account, but it gives a little bit more information, and I love it. When Jesus came down that hill, the father came running to him and described why he was there. And if you remember, the Lord asked, how long has, you know, I'm really paraphrasing, how long has this been going on? Of course, the Lord knew. And he told him. And then Jesus said, if thou believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Remember that? I love the Father's answer. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I've used that. There's been times in my walk of faith with God, to be quite frank with you, I've been, I've been a bit shaken. I, 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 I've been a bit unsteady. I believe. Oh, God, help my unbelief. And can I tell you, he helped that father's unbelief. And he cast that demon out of that boy. And when you call upon the Lord, when you're in doubt, when you're struggling, and you're having a hard time hanging on to what God said to do, just cry out to Jesus. Oh, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And he'll do it. Because he's God. And nothing's impossible to him. And he cares for you. And he's personal. We don't have a stone God. We have a God of the heart. And if you'll just do that, you'll get back on track trusting God again. I'm going to close tonight asking you, what is your faith seeing God do today? Today, not yesterday. Not your salvation testimony. Right now. What is your faith trusting God to do in His time today? What faith promises, and by the way, we ought to be full of them. 
We ought to be full of faith promises. It's not one at a time. Our cup overfloweth if we'll let God speak to our heart. What faith promises have you allowed God to show you from the word that he's going to do for you or through you in this time? If you don't have any, i got an exciting assignment for you. Get into the Word of God. Start reading. Start praying. God, you, and you don't have to work at this, by the way. You don't have to work at it in the sense of, oh, i got to see what God's going to No, just read your Bible and trust God to speak to your heart. And I guarantee you, in that speaking to your heart from the Word of God, He's going to show you things that He'll do for you or through you. Or perhaps things he wants you to do, but by his grace, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We need that in our churches today. I'm not saying it's not here. I don't know you folks. I'm just saying we need it in our churches today. Listen, that world outside needs to see a God who's alive and well in the hearts of his people. A God who's doing the impossible. A God who's doing the great things. And, and uh, anything God do is great, by the way. So I want to challenge you tonight. As we close out, what are you trusting God to do right now? Maybe there's some old promises you've got to get back to trusting Him for. I told you my mom was a Christian scientist. And uh, my dad was a Lutheran who never went to church. He wasn't even a Christmas Easter guy. And I got saved at 18 and went in the bedroom the next morning all excited. Dad said, oh, John the Baptist. Well, at least he knew that much about Bible. And he always called me John the Baptist. Always cut me off. Always cut me off. You know what I did for my parents? I prayed for them. There was times, I'll be frank with you, some days, maybe some weeks went by that I didn't pray for them. But then I get my heart stirred up and start praying for their salvation again. I trusted that verse, in thy house, thy house shall be saved. And uh, over in Acts. And... Uh, Dad got cancer at 61. I was down at Tennessee Temple, summer, and he had cancer of the throat. And uh, I went up to see him. I went through the gospel, but he wouldn't accept it. He said, I'll, later, let me think about it. But he was so scared. He came home. I had to go back to college and got a call from mom that he went back into the hospital. I called my pastor that was my pastor when I was there, and I said, would you go see my dad and give him the gospel? He went to the hospital and dad had the tube down him. He couldn't talk. He was, lay, he was laying on the bed. It was in the late afternoon. His eyes were closed. The pastor talked to him. He went through the gospel. He called me up. He said, John, uh, he was sitting up all morning. I don't think he heard a word I said, but I gave him the gospel. I said, well, thank you. He died a day after that. I went home for the funeral. And when I went to see my mom in her bedroom... She said to me, John, Dad had a message for you. Your pet, the pastor came to see him the night before I went to, in the morning and went back to see him. And he couldn't talk, but he wrote things on the board. And so he asked for the board motion and he said, tell John, I heard everything the pastor said. He said, what's that mean? He got saved. He didn't know the word saved, but he said, I heard it. God gave me a peace. My mother, she's such a tough lady. She had a way of cutting me off every time I tried to bring the gospel up. 
One day at age 91, I said to her, are you afraid to die, Mom? Well, she said, of course I'm afraid to die. <laughs> Amen. Good. I said, well, you don't have to be. And I went through the gospel with her. Got all the way through it this time. She didn't stop me. I said, now, wouldn't you like to trust Christ as your Savior and become a child of God knowing you have a home in heaven? You know what she said? Yes. You know what I said? What? She said, yes. And she prayed and asked Christ to save her. Thank God. All things are possible with God. Nothing's too hard for Him. All things. Nothing's impossible with Him. Brethren, you may have someone in your life who's dear to you. Maybe a mom or dad. Maybe a grandma, grandpa. Maybe just a dear friend. They don't know you're Jesus. But God's not willing to any should perish with all your kind of repentance. And all God is looking for is a person that will take God at His word and put faith in Him that, that that man will get saved or that woman. And you be the witness you should be to them. And in God's time, they'll come to know the Lord as Savior. Preacher, it's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? No, it's a Bible statement. Amen. Father, thank you so much for our study tonight. Help us to be an obedient Christian. I thank you for that verse, that one of the early verses that I learned as a believer, where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I thank you for that verse. This book is a book of commandments. It's a book of faith. It's a book of commandments by which you see that faith becomes sight. And I pray we would be an obedient people here tonight. Maybe there's some folks here that they just need to come down this aisle and uh, confess their disobedience and become obedient by the grace of God. Maybe there's some people here tonight, Father, that have, you know, they have, um, they have some loved ones. They've quit praying for them because it just seems like they're never going to get saved. And God, I pray they'll just get back to praying for them. Trusting you. And Father, I would ask that we not only be an obedient people, but we would pray our faith back to you and keep praying until you answer in your time. We love you. We praise you. We ask these things in Christ. Amen. Amen.